low, so it is now 7 o'clock, so we'll make a start. Um, first of all, to those uh, listening in to uh, this Cabinet meeting, um, welcome. We, we are in Stansted, um, and as part of uh, our strategy to take Cabinet meetings uh, around the district, um, and uh, to those uh, members uh, in, in, in the hall... and declarations of interest. Do we have any apologies for absence? Chairman, um, Councillor Lachlan asked me to give her apologies because it's instead said she had intended to be here but she's unwell. And can I say welcome everybody to Stansted, um, famous for its airport, its castle and its car park. Good. Uh, and we should just add that we're actually in the Stansted Free Church Hall. Okay, so we've had an, uh, an apology. Any declarations of interest? Okay, m item two, minutes of the meeting uh, on the 16th of February. Uh, are they a true record? Indeed Thank you very much indeed. I will duly sign those. Uh, I should have uh, also added um, a welcome to uh, Ben Ferguson. Uh, do you want to put your hand up, Ben? Uh, and Alistair Botchell, who have joined Democratic Services, and uh, you'll see they're, being, uh, they're flanking Rebecca. Uh, so I think this is your first meeting. So welcome to, uh, to both of you, and uh, we look forward to your uh, future career at Uttlesford District Council. Uh, okay, so item three is questions or statements uh, from non-executive members of the Council. And it's at this point, Rebecca, where we take members of the public? So I have, um, I have five members, all of whom have three minutes. Are you timekeeping? Um, and uh, so I've got Dave Kenny, Michael Young, Barry Drinkwater, Doug Perry, and Tom Bennett. So we have a... Uh, okay, I'll get to you, Councillor Light. Uh, we have the mic, so we'll go through that uh, in due course. Councillor Light. Yes, thank you, Chair. Uh, you may want to come to it because it's recorded uh, so they won't hear you otherwise. Thank you, Chair. I'd like to speak in support of the uh, Railway Arms nomination tonight. Is this an appropriate moment to speak, or would you prefer me to speak um, to the item directly? Have you told Democratic Services that you wish to speak? I did this morning, yes. That was too late. It's two days ago. Uh, is there a dispensation for council councillors? Or is it the same rule? I think I um, was aware that the advice being given was that a, a district councillor could speak, um, but uh, the public list was just members of the public, Chairman. Okay, so. okay that's very clear. We have six speakers, uh, each of three minutes, it to fit into 15 minutes. So, Chairman will be incredibly tolerant. We'll extend public speaking for a bit to get you all in. Uh, so, okay, we will start with Councillor Light and then go on to Mr Kenny. Right, thank you very much. I'm speaking tonight in support of the railway... in support of the railway pub becoming an asset of community value. It is a pub in my ward. It is uh, one of the few remaining um, in that, that part of the town. I would say probably the only one. 
it has been extensively used as a community uh, forum and a place where people can actually go. I've used it myself even before I became a counsellor as part of the Amnesty Group letter writing, which was held regularly and is still held regularly, but no longer in the railway pub. The, this is the only pub which has a large garden, so suitable for families in town. A couple of other pubs in the town have uh, small courtyards that are used mainly for uh, people who are smoking. Um, and the other thing about this pub that is very positive is that the... Um, that it can be used uh, for quiet drinking as it doesn't have sports um, huge screens, which, quite frankly, I'm personally not keen on, although many people are. The history of the place uh, will be spoken about, no doubt, by, um, the, uh, by STRAP, which is a group that's been formed to support and um, turn this pub into a community asset and a community pub. The history, um, as noted, is uh, from Victorian times. Uh, additionally, there is a, a cart lodge uh, which has, is currently closed, but I understand it has original features in it, and this could easily be turned into uh, being used for crafts, for making cheese, uh, for all sorts of activities that I think could uh, come together in, that, um, in the place with the um, selection of buildings that there are. Currently, um, there is quite a lot of interest in the pub, people who actually want to come and, um, and be part of the community pub. For example, a local brewery is interested. Uh, I've already mentioned the fact it could be turned into crafts. You have your, had your three minutes. May I have one more? The other, uh, <laughs> Another minute, if you can just wind up, please. Okay. Uh, in that same road, there are two blocks of sheltered accommodation, and it has been used in the past because I visit regularly the residents there. They have used it and would use it again uh, as their local pub. It is close, and they are able to walk there, and they go there for lunch and a drink. So I would request the Cabinet to agree that this pub becomes an asset of community value and will be turned into a thriving enterprise in town. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Light. Uh, call upon uh, Mr. Kenny. Thank you, sir. So, good evening, councillors. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you tonight. My name is Dave Kenny and I'm the chairman of the Save the Railway Arms Pub community group. We're a constituted group with over 130 members and supporters in Saffron Walden and I'm here to speak in support of the Town Council's nomination for the pub as an ACV. The nomination has attracted widespread support in the town as evidenced in around 30 letters which attest to a host of recent community uses. It has the support of more than 10 town and district councillors. The nomination has of course been challenged in a lengthy submission from the owner's solicitors. Contrasting tone is marked, on the one hand open, generous and optimistic, public spirited and community focused, and on the other mean spirited and narrow, self-serving and stingy. The challenge has cynically reduced everything that we value in this pub to naught and represented it as purely a food and drink shop with seats. Thankfully, most aspects of the challenge have been, disposed of, have been disposed of by the officer dealing with the case and the decision tonight will be made essentially on the issues 
of community value? Did the railway further social well-being and the interests of the local community? And is it reasonable to believe that it can do so again? Or was it simply a place to imbibe alcohol, with or without food? Did it allow the community to further its cultural, sporting and recreational interests, or was it simply an outlet for the owner's produce? Even if so narrowly defined, members will be well aware that this trade was carried out within the context of a licensing regime that has clear social objectives and is embedded in the democratic process. There is community oversight. The Local Government Information Unit report, the pub guidance to saving your pub as an ACV, reveals that 45 of 49 local authorities consider pubs as valued community amenities. Ottlesford is renowned amongst them as an early adopter of the provisions of the Localism Act and has registered 15 pubs as ACVs in towns and villages across the district. No pubs appear on the list of unsuccessful community nominations. A pub with such a history, with the level of community value that has been attested to by so many people, surely cannot be the first. Community value can be lost, however, especially when owners fail to do the basics well when they fail to sell good quality food and drink at reasonable prices, fail to invest in entertainment at Christmas. That's what's happened here over the last three years, but crucially not over the last five. Prior to its direct management by the owner, it was a thriving community pub. Why would a company in in this community-focused sector seek to run down the value of its asset? Many people have commented on motives, and I, I won't. Suffice it to say that the challenge itself declares the development potential of the land as a primary motive. The current nomination and registration tonight restricts permitted development rights, the future of which have been debated in Parliament recently. I would argue that it would be perverse to re-establish them here tonight, just as the Government has signalled its intention to close this loophole in the planning system. If you could just wind up. Indeed. Just as the community group has emerged capable of raising the necessary monies required to buy the pub and to open it again as Saffron Walden's first community-owned pub. We have the support of the Plunkett Foundation's National More Than a Pub programme. We have the support of the community. And we made that known to the owners from the very day that the pub closed. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mr Kenny. Um, and we do have one other speaker. When I read out the list, uh, Mr Bennett, you were, I think it would make sense if you spoke now. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Tom Bennett, um, a, a resident of Saffron Walden, a member and the secretary of the Save the Railway Arms pub. Um, I would like to try, uh, address, obviously, a lot of points made by the legal advisers, but the uh, 30-page uh, submission uh, doesn't allow me, uh, so I don't have sufficient time to address perhaps only a couple. I'd like to refer to Frith's contention that they make a number of times throughout their submission that the Railway Arms is not financially viable and is thus unrealistic to be considered as an asset of community value. I would suggest that the railway arms, the failure of the railway arms to be financially viable is more to do with the business model that the Thai pub owners, the Thai pubs owned by breweries, um, including Charles Wells, and large pub companies operate, and the need for them to maximise profits for institutional shareholders' returns rather than meet the communities they serve. 
I wouldn't want to question the management competencies of Charles Wells in operating the railway pub over the many years, but I'm amazed that they did not exploit the potential that the pub has. Um, Barbara's mentioned external buildings, um, which uh, they haven't uh, invested in, in turning into much-needed bed and breakfast, craft centres, function rooms, or whatever. Um, they haven't extended a pub to take provision of changing needs where uh, people go to pubs now for uh, more for, for, um, for meals and food and like that. Um, and there are models, um, business models, where public houses are run um, uh, that are financially viable. And they have adapted uh, to the changing needs and by being more tuned to the needs of local communities they serve. Um, these include individual freehold pubs in Saffron Warden, such as the Eight Bells, the Axe and, the Compa Axe and Compass, um, uh, and, as well as community-owned pubs, um, which is another business model. Um, they are run by community shareholders who, allow, who set the direction and values of the type of the type of community services that they value from the pub. And being uh, a non-profit making, they're able to offer prospective uh, tenants and licenses a much lower cost uh, opportunity um, to, uh, to run a thriving pub um, that serves the community as well as, make, uh, as well as make a living for themselves. The railway is viable, and um, we've come up with a viable business model which um, we'd like to take over the pub. Um, the pub was nominated so it could be given extra protection and because there's a genuine drive, um, interest within the community to buy and run the asset as a community pub. Thank you very much indeed and uh, full marks to just get inside the three minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, Maybe, and as you'll appreciate, obviously this is an item on the agenda, so um, uh, Councillor Barker um, and indeed our legal officer will be talking to this later. Um, Michael Young. I'm speaking, I'm speaking to item 10. I'm just conscious you might want to take things in No, no, it's different to planning policy working group where we take it by item. It's, it's, it's one session at the beginning, like, like full council. I have a copy of what I'm saying, if you save your notes. I'm speaking to item 10, the Memorandum of Understanding. By signing the Memorandum of Understanding, UDC is in effect endorsing and supporting the figure for housing need. Of course, the government plans to introduce a standard method for calculating need, but for the moment we have to work with the figures we have. Throughout the local plan process, we have been repeatedly assured that the conclusions would be evidence-based. But it is here that the problems start. The evidence offered to support the figures has at best been sketchy and at worst non-existent. A colleague, Ken MacDonald, and I have been asking the same questions for the last 18 months, but no answers have been forthcoming. It seems that no one within the Council understands how the figures have been arrived at. Some of our concerns related to job growth figures at the airport, the market, the market signals uplift percentage, the high rate of growth for Uttlesford, and most importantly, the complete lack of audit trail within the reports. There was no transparency. But recently, many of our concerns have been echoed by paid advisers. 
A consultant from the Planning Advisory Service has stated that the method of apportionment between the authorities is not clear and that he could find no explanation. But to understand apportionment, it is first necessary to understand how the totals were calculated. He went on to comment that the most significant gap was the lack of evidence on the increased housing need identified in the latest DCLG household projections. A further narrative was essential to explain the final strategy. Uttlesford's own QC has stressed that work needed to be strengthened so that it was more explicit as to how the figures were derived. And the inspector from the planning inspectorate stressed the need for the figures to be defensible when robustly challenged at examination. He made the point that the spatial option study didn't show its workings, not that the conclusions were necessarily right or wrong, but the process wasn't clear. You simply couldn't tell. It now appears that many of these concerns are possibly being addressed. UDC has acknowledged uncertainty regarding the scale of housing and has asked consultants to produce a clear explanation for the scale of housing apportionment with a clear and logical explanation of the calculations showing workings. Meanwhile, the four SMAR districts have commissioned ACOM to do a technical update to their report explaining its workings and processes. So there is work still to be done. But by signing this memorandum, you are effectively endorsing the current figures. I would submit that it is only when all the outstanding questions have been answered that you can be satisfied with such a document. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you for being within the three minutes. Uh, again, that's an item on the agenda, which we'll come back to. Uh, Mr Drinkwater. Of course, yeah, absolutely. No, yep, that's absolutely fine. Right. Good evening, Mr. Leader and Cabinet members. Although licensing matters do not form part of your brief, as it is a regulatory function and quasi legal, I wanted to share with you what has been happening on the Ulodda trade front. I joined Ulodda late last year as the Honorary President and was proud to do so. My aim and vision is to encourage partnership working with UDC, the Licensing Committee, councillors, officers, to all our mutual benefit. I've had many meetings with Ulodda's executives, operators both large and small, which bring vast sums of money into the Uttersford economy in the region of £50 million last year. I've spoken with my chairman at many meetings of full council, the licensing committee and with officers and have been pleased to do so. I've also been encouraging working together with officers on a number of issues. Although the response has been one of almost complete silence, we do hope for a more effective engagement in the near future. The testing and trial of the right to work as suggested by 24-7 has been a great success and it is understood that officers will be taking this forward with immediate effect. We've also been involved in the Uttlesford Business Awards in encouraging members of the trade to participate and have supported the nomination of two of our excellent operators who have a very good story to tell. Some members of the Executive Committee also attended last week's award networking event and a photograph of both myself and my chairman can be seen on the Uttlesford website. Perhaps we should charge you for that. I just want to leave you with one thought from both scrutiny and councillors who some are seated around this table who have stated, and it is a matter of record, that consultation and effective engagement with the trade is to be introduced along with time factors which are almost upon us. 
as I hand over to my chairman, I wish to play some record. This is not just you lotter that you are dealing with, but also the major operators. We constantly consult and support each other, and we speak with one voice the true meaning of working in partnership. Thank you, Leader, for giving me a chance to speak. Thank you, uh, Doug um, and um, Mr Drinkwater. Thank you, Leader. Are we on? We're on. Uh, good, good evening, members and uh, officers. Pleasure to be here. Not nice to take the baton from our esteemed president, who's been such a valued and valuable asset to me and my executive colleagues over the past five months since he was uh, appointed. Uh, let me wind back the clock, if I may, to 17th of November 2016, when the Scrutiny Committee uh, established a task and Finnish group to consider the functioning of enforcement within the Council. Councillor Chambers was the first to alert us to its work and given the strong interest of the taxi and private hire trade we seized the chance to have our say and asked to contribute at the scrutiny committee's meetings on the 5th of February when we were warmly welcomed by Councillor Dean. We listened to progress reports at further scrutiny committee meetings on the 6th and on the 6th of September when the final report of the ETG was presented when I was having, having a birthday party somewhere, two of my colleagues attended. Uh, during the course of its work, senior trade representatives including the managing directors of our largest operators 24-7 and Acme Transport, plus the two vice chair chairmen of ULODA at that time, met with Councillor Jones as lead member for enforcement to speak fully and frankly about the old draconian enforcement regime. At your cabinet meeting on the 12th of January this year, Councillor Howell presented his report on the scrutiny committee's recommendations. We were disappointed that four of these, including one which supported new enforcement policies for licensing taxis and private hire operators, were approved but without a timed schedule for implementation. This despite the fact that scrutiny had stipulated quote, by the 1st of April 2017. The final recommendation on taxi forums was referred to the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee, and we are in dialogue with Councillor Chambers about that. We're also disappointed that the Scrutiny Committee has made no attempt to give us feedback about these outcomes, which we've found out about because we, we read, we research, we, we do our stuff behind the scenes. And we're naturally disappointed um, by, by that fact. We were expecting, in the interest of transparency and respect for the trade, to have had some feedback. So that's something possibly to, to take up separately in due course. Councillor Howell, in his report, says... Under the better regulation agenda, the Council needs to engage effectively with local taxi drivers and operators. I quote, we continue to wait patiently, last sentence, we continue to wait patiently to be consulted properly ahead of any changes in policy and practice which may be being planned and we do understand are being worked on behind the scenes. Thank you very much indeed.
No, thank you very much. Um, and uh, as I said uh, earlier, assets community value is an item on the agenda. Um, the um, MOU is on the agenda. But just picking up the last two speakers, um, I think the key points that uh, you've raised is that are around partnership working and dialogue um, and uh, some of the implementation of the enforcement practices. So um, we just need to... Uh, take that away and make sure that those two items uh, I'm not I'm not suggesting that we're going to wave a magic wand in terms of the outcome of some of these things but those are two points in terms of uh, the implementation of our enforcement practices uh, and uh, a, a good dialogue so at least you have the opportunity to put your point of view so I'm looking to the chief executive where we would take that forward That's you. Um, yeah, it's not specifically about the points they've. Um, I mean, there. Um, in response to this, I, I wasn't aware you were coming to speak till earlier today, but um, there is an intention to set up a taxi forum for the trade to aid issues, um, and the timescales haven't been firmed up. But as soon as they are, then we will let you know. Uh, yeah, we'll make sure those timescales are sensible. Yeah, okay, thanks very much. Okay, moving on to item four, matters referred to the executive. Standing item, there aren't any. Uh, reports from performance and audit and scrutiny committees. We don't have performance and audit here. Um, and I don't think they've met since we last met. Uh, scrutiny, chairman of scrutiny is present. Very little to report chair the bulk of the work at the last um, meeting was on the budget and that's been put to bed or was put to bed at the end of uh, February um, what the committee did note was the fact that uh, there is this year a delivery plan on the corporate plan and that's on your agenda tonight so that's uh, and I'll just give you two bits of feedback now so I don't lose them later on there was um, a suggestion regarding superfast broadband that um, the rather than having a target which was to achieve a percentage coverage of the district that it that the work ought to identify which properties don't have access to uh, good broadband and to sort of look at it on, almost on an individual basis if you see rather than just pure percentages so that was one suggestion uh, there was discussion about um, improving the support for neighbourhood plans and that will come up later so I'll leave that to later and the only other item that I, I think is worthy of mentioning is that um, the corporate plan with its housing objectives it was hoped that there would be um, recognition given and any changes appropriate changes to that uh, as a result of the housing white paper which came out subsequently or about that time so that's all I have to report thank you I think most of those points are being picked up later on in the agenda so thank you for yeah. that um, I No, good to see you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, item six, uh, an update on the refugee working group. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the 
there hasn't been much change for us I'm afraid um, the next flight is still expected to arrive in June although we haven't been um, advised as to whether or not we'll be asked to make an offer of accommodation and of course we remain um, very willing to do this sh should we be asked um, but I have been asked about um, unaccompanied um, children as well and although this isn't something that is within um, the district council's um, area we have in the meantime uh, we've just set up a, a web page on our own website which is uh forward slash refugee crisis to because we're being contacted by various people we wanted to point them in the right direction and we've um, we've been trying to um, suggest that people contact Essex County Council and I think they're finding it difficult so we are making a point of we will be naming a point of contact in our own offices um, which will be on the website we just need to be I don't know at this particular moment exactly who it will be I think we know who it will be, but we just need to finalise that. So that will be on our new web page. Um, and um, I sent um, a message out earlier today to um, all the county councillors in um, Uttlesford area. And um, the, as it just so happens that the one person that did come back to me following that was actually Stansted's um, county councillor, Ray Gooding, who's been extremely helpful um, he chairs the West Essex Children's Partnership Board and is happy to give any information so I'm going to have a meeting with him and I will be able to report more back on this but he did say that um, all un unaccompanied child asylum seekers are dealt with by the West Qu Quadrant Children's Services and Essex currently have about 125 children um, in, on their account less than Kent who have about 900 but more than most other authorities and um, anyone volunteering to take um, children would have to be approved foster carers before a young person could be placed with them so I will get more information on that but at the moment um, we still only have one family but I can report that that family have settled in extremely well and in fact they arrived um, with various health issues which actually all seem to be completely resolving themselves and the kids are doing really well at school um, and it, uh, it would appear that um, Uttlesford is a great place to settle so we will continue to offer our services but uh, um, unfortunately we are at the it's not up to, it's not up to us um, I do feel a little bit like we get batted between um, Essex County Council and um, the East of England Local Government Association and the Home Office um, but as I said in my email today I think maybe they've got other things that are more important such as Brexit at the moment but we will continue to press on that and I'll bring hopefully um, have something else to say at the next meeting thank you thank you Councillor Redfern Councillor Dean yes thank you Chairman I, I can endorse Councillor Redfern's points about the success of the current um, family uh, who have fitted in well, have a good local support network. Um, I was out carol singing with them just before Christmas. Um, and uh, obviously, I'm sure they prefer to be living in their original country, but uh, as things stand at the moment, all well. That's great. Obviously, for their own um, personal anonymity, we are not um, mentioning 
any further personal details about them, but delighted uh, that um, uh, they have been welcomed into the Uttlesford community. And uh, congratulations to those involved. Right, thank you. Um, we now move on to item seven, to fill vacancies on the uh, Planning Policy Working Group, uh, Refugee Working Group and Stansted Airport Advisory Panel. Uh, as leader of the Conservative Group, I don't intend to fill any vacancies until the annual meeting um, when I'll be looking at the, the whole structure uh, for, from my perspective. But the other two leaders may have a comment to make here. Um, yes, for the, for the Working Group, I uh, propose Councillor Lees. Which, which I've given this to uh, Peter Snow, and I understood that was going forward. So, Councillor Lease is a direct replacement uh, for Councillor Parry? Effectively, Parry, yes. On the yes. Planning Policy Working Group? Yes. And, and her first meeting will be on April the 6th? That's correct. And, in fact, I've made the, the minimum number of nominations for other committees as well, so I'm waiting until uh, after the, uh, there's a by-election and, obviously, then at the annual meeting, I think, it will be best to do the final. The rest, the rest will do. Yeah, the annual yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, can I ask Mr. Uh, Mr. Glenday uh, um, in to uh, have a meeting with Councillor Lease to try and bring her up to speed with what the work of the Planning Policy Working Group? Uh, I think that'd be really helpful, so she can hit the deck running on April the sixth. Thank you. Um, item eight: Asset of Community Value, the Railway Arms nomination. I call upon Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Well, we all enjoyed this, didn't we? A hundred and something pages. Great when it landed on my desk, and I had great fun reading it, and uh, claims and counterclaims, let's say. Um, Chairman, we are being asked today to consider whether or not to list the Railway Arms Public House in Suffolk Walden as an asset of community value. I would firstly say... Um, I had to look up where this was. I'm not a Saffron Walden person. I've certainly never been in the pub, but it, it looked like a nice, sturdy building, built, I'm told, just like the station house at the same time. I think there are three issues we need to consider today. The firstly is whether this is a valid nomination, because there are claims that it is not. Secondly, the pub being closed, we need to consider... Um, whether there is a time in the recent past where an actual use of the building or other land that was not an ancillary use furthered the social well-being or interests of the local community. And it is realistic to think that there is a time in the next five years when there could be non-ancillary use of the building or other land that would further, whether or not in the same way as before, the social well-being or social interests of the local community. So these three criteria. Firstly, is this a valid application? The information our PAC has that we have shows that Saffron Walden Town Council considered this matter in 2015 and agreed that an application should be made out at some point. I consider that while this is some time ago, there's no reason that this passing of time is relevant, so I do believe that the nomination can be considered as valid. The second requirement is that the asset has at some time in the recent past furthered the social well-being and social interests of the local community with the pub open up until January 2017, and the evidence provided by residents of meetings and get-togethers at the public house, I believe that this criterion has also been met. Page 18 sort of lists some of the, the things that have gone on in the pub in the past, and we've had letters of support in sort of uh, backing that up. The final requirement is that there is a realistic prospect that the asset within the next five years can further the social well-being and social interests of the local community. This is a more difficult issue. We can see from the accounts of the pub 
that we have on pages 126 that in the year ended May 2015, food sales made up a considerable part of the turnover. But by October 2015, on page 132, this has dwindled to almost nothing. A pub these days cannot rely on drink alone to survive. Reading through the comments from residents, there are two in particular I would like to consider. The first is on page 146, where Mr Kenny, who spoke earlier, is working to find a way to run the pub as a community interest company or a community, be community benefits society. And secondly, on page 158, where Mr Hoskins, re representing Saffron Brewery, states that they have tendered an offer to buy the public house and are confident that they can retain it as a profitable trading unit within their portfolio. Chairman, I do believe that it is realistic to think that there is a time in the next five years where there could be a non-ancillary use of the building or other land that would further the social well-being or social interests of the local community and would recommend that the Railway Arms be nominated as an asset of community value. Thank you very much, uh, and I'm happy to second that uh, recommendation. Um, I'm going to call upon Mr Pugh, our legal officer, just to make sure that the key legal points have been addressed. That was a very helpful summary, Councillor Parker. Thank you. Uh, Mr Pugh, if you want to add anything to that. Well, I don't really think I've got very much to, to add to Councillor Barker's able summary of the issues. Uh, it, uh, I've my advice is that the nomination is valid. Uh, the other two points, uh, it was a pub. It's not enough for it to be a pub to be listed as an asset of community value. It needs to add value to the community. There's no detailed statutory definition of that. It's a matter of common sense for you to form your own view on the material before you. Um, whether it is um, realistic to consider that it will continue, that at some time in the future it will um, resume a community use is, uh, as, as Councillor Barker said, more difficult. You need to take account of what the owners said. The intention of the owner is relevant but not definitive. Um, you need to take account of what the representations are. And you need to reach a, a, a balanced view in, decide, in re deciding what's realistic. It's not a balanced probabilities test. It's something, uh, the test is really, it, it's got to be something more than fanciful. If it's never going to happen in common sense terms, then you shouldn't list. Um, I'm happy to take any questions now or later on if need be. Thank you very much, Mr. Pugh. I think that's also extremely helpful. I've got Councillor Redfern. I've got uh, Councillor Howell. Councillor Redfern first. Thank you, Chairman. Um, uh, unlike Councillor Barker, I have been in this pub, and when I thought about it, when I was looking at these papers, um, I first started going to that pub, I'm a bit embarrassed to say, but I think it's more than 40 years ago when... Um, Underage I, drinking. I know, I know, I know. You don't have to give us information like that. I'm not, well, I'm gonna, I wasn't drinking. We used to go in there, we, we used to go swimming in um, the town, when the pool was in the town centre, and my parents and my myself and my brothers were always taken there afterwards to pick up um, remember it was um, Bourneville chocolate and a coke while well, I think my parents must have had a gin and tonic um, and then I used to work at Ridgens when Ridgens was opposite and we used to go in there pretty much most lunch times or at least pick up our sandwiches and a drink from there and in more and uh, many people will remember the lovely landlord we had then Jim Jordan who actually should have been registered as an asset of community value himself in my opinion um, but I can speak about more recent times I um, have many friends who use uh, or have used the, the railway and I can see it was obvious what was happening with the food and how things were deteriorating not because people didn't want to go there but just because of what was being made available and um, 
the last time I remember going there was for a quiz night in aid of um, Homestart, so another very valuable asset we've got in this area. Um, it was run by Kevin Henry's estate agents and it was a well attended and you know, I can see absolutely no reason why we shouldn't um, support this application um, and it should be registered as an asset of community value. I, I feel that Saffron Walden is losing pubs way more than we should do. I was really disappointed that the victory, although it's only half a house application, I was really disappointed to see that and we didn't get an opportunity to do something about that at the time. So I fully support this application and I'll say no more about my pub visits, but uh, if it's Thank open, I'll be there. Councillor Howell. Oh, very briefly, I know the, the railway well. I lived nearby for a long time, although I haven't lived nearby for about 10 years. But I used to go regularly and sit with Jim Jordan and hear his uh, memories of his experience in the Second World War and it was a, a wonderful um, community pub. It most certainly is at the core of its community and always has been. I'm very conscious that pubs in the villages that I represent are very central to their communities, the Plough, the Bluebell um, and, uh, and, and the Red Line in, in, in Samford are all integral and I feel, feel very strongly that within Saffron Walden the, the pubs that we have lost were core to the community and the railway very much is at the centre and should return to being at the centre of its community. I consider this to be a valid nomination. Um, it's no doubt in my mind that it has contributed and furthered the well-being of the local community and, and I note Mr Hoskins' email so I think it's quite reasonable for us to, to take the view that within five years there's every possibility that under uh, different ownership it could be a viable pub again so I'm happy to support this recommendation. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chairman. I, think, I, can, I can see that the uh, decision is probably going in the right direction, and I have to say I, uh, I, I also fully uh, support the application. Um, and above this, I, I actually, as, as a member of this council, I actually resent the very heavy-handed approach by Charles Wells and Fritz. I think it's completely over the top, and I think it amounts almost to an attempt to, uh, to bully this authority. So uh, I should be delighted if the, uh, if the application is accepted. If I can pick out one thing in their submission, they, they, they actually threaten us potentially with seven-figure damages. Now, this is absolutely stupid. I think the way that home prices are going in Saffron Walden, if, if they were to be delayed by six months, they would probably have added a few notes to the, uh, to the, the profit they may make on it. So uh, it is stupid, uh, it is heavy-handed, and it is harassment. Just on the merit of the pub itself, like many others here, I've used it for uh, possibly somewhere of the order of um, 40 years. Uh, in recently I've used it as a get-together for a couple of community organisations. I have a part of. Also, you may remember that, that Jim actually was awarded the OBE for his services to the community, and that was the services to the community inside that pub. So I think that speaks probably more volubly than anything else I could possibly say. Thank you. Okay, I um, have best been advised that the note and report, the, uh, the risk of compensation is not a relevant consideration in our decision, which obviously is based on the grounds that Councillor Barker and uh, Mr Pugh laid out. I think uh, we've heard from everybody. Very briefly, Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. I, the, it's sort of related to the railway, but I would just like to suggest that um, I don't know what other pubs in Saffron Walden have been registered as assets of community value, but the way they're... Um, 
going, I think perhaps Saffron Warden Town Council should take that forward and have a look and see what see which other ones they need to register because I think um, you know we've lost so many in Saffron Warden it would be a, it would be a real shame to carry on um, doing so so if someone could take that forward please okay so the recommendation thank you for that the recommendation item six on the paper to determine whether to include the railway arms public house Saffron Warden on the assets of community value the uh, proposer of the motion councillor Barker recommended that it was included I have seconded that motion those in favor of that motion please carried unanimously thank you very much indeed uh, we now move on to item uh, nine which are office units at Walpole farm and I call upon councillor Howell uh, this ought to be, I hope, a, a fairly short item. The recommendation is to approve the option to take out a 10-year lease at a peppercorn rent on full insuring and repairing terms for office units at Walpole Farm here in, in, in Stansted, subject to final terms. Um, the, the background to this is as part of a Section 106 agreement, uh, the, development, the developers, Bloor Homes, um, allows the council to take a 10-year lease on, on the office units. They comprise, as set out in the paper, um, two floors with a net floor space ranging from 95 to 148 square metres with a communal entrance and the toilet facilities. It's part of our broader strategy to improve the commercial and wider the commercial um, services that we offer and the revenues that we generate. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for us as a council and I certainly move the recommendation. Do I have a seconder for that, uh, Councillor Wells? Thank you. I've got uh, Councillor Dean to speak, Councillor Lodge to speak. I'm more speaking as the uh, ward member for Stanted North uh, in welcoming this proposal. What, what is not clear from this report, however, is whether the intention is that this will be um, what I best describe as starter units for incubating new companies, new businesses within the district as part of our economic um, development activity or whether the intention might be to let them at market rates to whoever could pay. So that, that's not clear in the report. I wonder if Councillor Howell can clarify that please. Uh, well, this is a commercial enterprise, and so uh, we would wish to maximise the income we receive. Um, so I would expect us to be renting them out at market rates. I would obviously hope that that would attract companies at every stage in development. Um, but you don't have to be a newly formed company to be interested in small units, um, but all of them create employment in the locality. So I don't think we'd want to distinguish between tenants in that way. Councillor Lodge. Yes, I very, very much welcome the concept of this excellent direction of travel for the Council. One question, uh, which uh, maybe this will be part of the negotiation, you talk about the 10-year lease. Um, what will be the provisions of the lease following the 10 years? Because I think we would obviously help to keep going. I'm afraid I, I can't answer that particular question. We have a 10-year opportunity and at the end of that I'm afraid that perhaps the, the new owner might want to take them on as tenants or may not. You generally take on a lease for a period of time recognising that there's a finite time scale within it whether it be 10 years, 15 or 20 years. So we have to recognise this as an opportunity to appeal to a particular company at a certain stage in its development. It need not necessarily be the final solution for that organisation though. 
So just, just some entry on that then. I wonder if, it, if it's taken under the Landlord and Tenant Act, then we do have significant rights of renewal. So that might be a good point of negotiation to, to, to look to that as, as a term of the lease. It's very much the fashion nowadays to exclude leases from the Landlord and Tenant Act. It would probably be a good move to try and keep it within. I'm, I'm happy to know that, yeah. Mr Pugh, did you wish to comment on that? Um, well, I, I think we've got to take that away and examine the technicalities of landlords yeah, and the yeah. We'll do that, but it's a fair point. Thank you. So we'll Councillor Park, and then I'll go back to Councillor Dean. Could I just ask, is this being done by Uttlesford Direct or through a SPA? Uttlesford Direct. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Well, I think, you know, Chairman, particularly as it is Uttlesford District Council Direct, I would like members and officers to take away the thought that um, essentially I put forward that we, knew we are in need of starter units in the district to incubate new businesses who probably you know, require that pr pump priming of re reduced rents or whatever mechanisms. So I, I just leave that on the table to be considered after this meeting. It doesn't affect the decision being made tonight. It's more about the implementation of it. No, we note your point, and yeah. uh, Councillor Howell, you, you know, this is this is a commercial opportunity, and we've got to uh, uphold the interests of our ratepayers. But we note the point you're making. This is the equivalent, basically, of social housing uh, in in a commercial way. So let let let's see the appetite to take that on, and where we can support uh, fledgling businesses. Obviously, we would. Any other comments? No. In which case, uh, just to remind. Uh, uh, cabinet that the recommendation is the cabinet is recommended to approve that the option to take out a 10-year lease at a peppercorn rate on full insuring and repairing terms for the office units at Walpole Farm subject to final terms is agreed. We have a proposal and we have a second. Are those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Item 10. Memorandum of understanding on the distribution of objectively assessed housing need across the strategic housing market area. Statement of common ground between North Hearts and Uttlesford District Councils. Councillor Barker, thank you. Chairman, um, firstly, we are being asked today to approve a memorandum of understanding with our partner authorities within the strategic housing market area, namely East Hearts, Epping and Harlow. This memorandum of understanding comes out of the duty to cooperate meetings that have been in place since 2011. There are two other memorandums of understanding relating to highways and to the Epping Forest Special Area of Conservation. The MOU today relates to the spatial distribution of housing across the strategic housing market area. Based on the 2012 population projections for West Essex and East Hearts, the consultants derived a figure of 46,100 homes required from 2011 to 2033. The Attlesford component of this figure was 12,500. This is the figure that is in the Strategic Housing Market Assessment Report. In July 2016, the Department of Communities and Local Government published the new 2014 population projections, which showed an increase in the overall projected numbers. Modelling these projections has increased the projection from 46,100 to 54,600, of which Uttlesford component is the 14,100. This is the figure that the inspector's advisory visit in November 2016 strongly advised we should be using. The MOU acknowledges that since the publication of the Schmar in 2015, updated household projections have been published. The four authorities are all committed to identifying an up-to-date OAHN 
based on the 2014 base projections. Chairman, the second part of this re report looks on um, page 209 looks at a statement of common ground between the Uttlesford District Councils and North Hearts District Council. The statement sets out in paragraphs 4.1 to 4.3 the following points. Firstly, there is an agreement that the North Hearts local plan is sound insofar as it relates to matters covered by the duty to cooperate. That there are no, secondly, that there are no strategic cross-boundary issues or impacts that would warrant discussion under the duty to cooperate. Thirdly, that the two authorities have used the same consultants for the production of their schmar, which means that we are in agreement from a housing market area perspective. Chairman, I recommend that Cabinet approves the MOU and the Statement of Common Ground as set out on page 173. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Subject to the amendment. Yeah, that's the amendment. Uh, do we want to read out the amendment? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. It is, I'm just reading out an amendment which has been proposed since the first draft of the Memorandum of Understanding. Three strategic housing market assessments published in 2012, sorry, 2010, 2012 and 2015 have been undertaken for the combined areas of East Hearts, Epping Forest, Harlow and Uttlesford districts. The most recent strategic housing market assessment was commissioned by the co-op member board and managed through a subgroup of the co-op officer group. Details of the terms of reference and working practices of the co-op member board and the co-op officer group are set out in Appendix 2. The 2015 Strategic Housing Market Assessments gives an up-to-date and planning practice guidance compliant assessment of housing need over the housing market area for the period 2011 to 2033. It is acknowledged that since the publication of the Strategic Housing Market Assessment in 2015, updated 2014 based household projections have been published. The four authorities are all committed to identifying an up-to-date objectively assessed housing need based on the 2014 projections. The 2015 Strategic Housing Market Assessment gave the following headline results in net additional dwellings for the housing market assessment as a whole and for each local authority. And those are the, the figures that I read out, the increase in um, housing numbers to 54,600 and the increase in the Uttlesford projection to 14,100. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Howell, thank you. Anybody wish to speak? Councillor Lodge? Uh, thank you. I'm deeply disturbed by this. Um, I see that um, we're, we're taking the, the, the suggested number of 14,100 as our share. I, I, I don't understand the calculation as to how do we get to that. And more importantly, certainly, Councillor Dean and myself are, are, are set to spend three hours next Thursday to, re to receive a presentation on that to understand these numbers. We are then going to consider to the PPWG. Here, we, appear, we are accepting the 14,100 numbers without going through a proper process to, to understand and approve them. And I would urge very strongly that we do not take this decision tonight, that you do not take this decision tonight. The timing is inappropriate in that in just one week's time, we're going to be spending a massive amount of time to understand this. I think it's further um, emphasized by the inspection which went on last week, whereby we were trying to defend 12,500 
uh, and yet I, I, I understand that there was doubt about the presentation of the five-year land supply that, that we should have done last, um, last April and that 14,100 was present on our website in another context. Uh, we are in an extremely confused situation. I would strongly recommend uh, that this decision is deferred tonight. We're not in a confused situation. The figures were very clearly laid out uh, in the uh, document and the Schmar exercise that's been conducted as Councillor Barker has laid out. They were provisionally laid out on the 2011 figures, as you know, at 12,500. Uh, since then, 2014 figures uh, have been made available. We have had the Uttlesford District Council has been visited by uh, a, an inspector who is active, who is, is currently conducting exercises in other authorities on their uh, local plan and gave a crystal clear steer that 2014 figures should be used um, and that was supported by our planning QC as well. So we haven't, Uttlesford District Council at this stage has not made uh, any firm decision on that but it has to before we go out to our uh, Regulation 18 consultation in July because obviously the uh, position of where the homes will go will depend on how many homes we intend to place. Uh, but you'll remember that uh, the inspector at the December 2014 inquiry uh, believed that we weren't uh, um, offering enough homes and therefore we're not going to uh, make the same mistake around numbers again. Uh, and uh, you and Councillor Dean and Councillor Mills from the Conservatives are going to have a detailed examination which will then be repeated to the Planning Policy Working Group. So I hope that there will be sufficient empirical evidence uh, for uh, all of us to accept the figures. Um, at some stage, we have to agree a figure. We cannot keep pro procrastinating on this. All this is asking is that we recognize the figure in the MOU, which states quite clearly uh, uh, 12,500, but that uh, we do note uh, that 2014 figures could increase that. So Uttlesford District Council is recognizing a position that enables its Schmar partners to carry on but also reserves the right in the light of further evidence to come to its own conclusion. It was a difficult position to take. We didn't particularly want to completely destroy the plans for our Schmar partners. Uh, and by taking this line that we recognise what the figures were uh, in the first place, but also that we reserve our position subject to all the evidence that you and others will want to hear, uh, that we'll proceed on that basis. I don't think we're taking, uh, we're not taking any uh, dramatic decision tonight. I don't think um, well, Mr. Young might agree. It might feel that we should be below 12 and a half. I don't think there are many, many other people in Uttlesford that have that view. And, and bluntly, it, it just doesn't hold water, Mr. Young. So, uh, no, no, okay. You're, you're, you're talking about how it, was, how it was reached. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and, and that's something that I hope that was some reassurance, actually, that. Um, Three, three members who you can be assured will, will be challenging the process wish to, wish to get that and then we'll have that repeated to members as well um, so that everybody uh, understands that because the numbers is the key part but I think we've had a pretty clear steer from external people some of whom might well be at the inspector at our case. Uh, Councillor Barker. Just to be clear, today we are agreeing 12,500, but acknowledging that a higher figure may have to be considered. It's the 12,500. It's being agreed because we need to take the number. We need to take the number because East Hearts will be going out to inspection shortly, and they need to have shown that they have 
cooperated and we've been talking to each other. Are you saying that we still have wriggle room, effectively? Yeah, absolutely. We're absolutely saying that. The MOU is there because it will be the same MOU that covers all four districts, and and well, it sort of does, doesn't it? And it will be part of the the evidence for the inspector. But it's basically saying, you know, we are, I don't like the phrase, but consuming our own smoke. You know, you have to consider that whatever number is in there for Epping Forest, which is slightly lower than ours, Epping Forest is 94% green belt. We're very lucky that Epping Forest is finding a way to deliver its numbers rather than say, Uttleford, come on, you've got lots of space. The same with Harlow. You know, if we were contiguous with Harlow, we'd be looking at having to take some of Harlow's numbers. That has fallen to East Hearts. But at the moment, we are agreeing the 12,500, but accepting that there are pointers that say that may need to change. Councillor Redfern. Um, I've, I absolutely hate talking about this. I've, you know, this is... Um, hung over us for ever since I've been a member and I will support this as long as I as you've given the assurances you know that there is as John calls it wriggle room I will support it because the one thing I want is to see that our local plan makes it through um, through the inquiry and if this is what it takes I will support this and I rely on you guys on the planning policy working group to make sure we've got it absolutely right. Well, I remind you, full council will be taking that decision, so it comes back to that. It does, but you, I rely rely on the planning policy working group, which is cross-party, to go through absolutely everything and feed it back to us and I, I feel confident that you guys will do a good job of that, so I will support this. Now I've been given the wriggle room. Well, it's the members and the officers, obviously, and yep. the officers are taking guidance from, from expert consultants. So, um, yeah, I, I, I won't repeat myself, but uh, we have to have a plan, and the plan has got to be based on empirical numbers. So, And I trust you totally with that. Excellent. Thank you. Any other, any other comments? Councillor Dean. I, I take it then that the minutes will reflect uh, the phrase wriggle room or some other uh, term that uh, Rebecca considers appropriate. Um, flexibility. I, I, I mean, it was, men- it was mentioned earlier by Mr. Young that uh, we still have this outstanding question about the apportionment amongst the four districts within the housing market area and uh, that is as Councillor Rogers said something that we'll be trying to have another go at uh, next week to get our head around so provided uh, both the apportionment as well as the absolutes if I can put it that way are still uh, up for confirmation then and, and that's reflected in the minutes then yeah we're, uh, we're all uh, dancing around a maple yes, at some yes. time you guys have got to say and this is the number and this is where we're going to put the housing we can have this discussion for the next 20 years but we have got to make a decision shortly otherwise it will be made for us I get, I get where you're coming from but please don't shirk away from the idea that you, that you and the rest of us uh, are going to have to, and co- collectively as a community we're going to have to make this decision so no, let, I, me I, just, I, let me just I, draw I, I'm not shirking away from anything I'm just saying that we're going through a process which yeah, we are. We, we absolutely are. Week, so we can't. We're not preempting that, and, and with that assurance, then. But we have to come to ahead. a conclusion. Is the point I'm making? Yeah, so let me just remind you of the last sentence. The four authorities are all committed to identifying an up-to-date 
OAHN based on the 2014 base projections. The 2015 Schmar gave the following headline results and then Susan read them out. So that, I don't think we'll use the word wriggle room in our minutes because I don't think that's the technical term, but that sentence is, is what we're talking about. If you are content with that amendment, as read out, uh, the recommendation is that Cabinet approve the Memorandum of Understanding and the, and the Statement of Common Ground, uh, subject to a, amending paragraph 1.6, which was read out, and I think you have a copy, and the Statement of Common Ground. So if you're content with that, it's been recommended and seconded. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. So, Housing White Paper, item 11. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, this report is an initial analysis of the DCLG's White Paper, um, which was published earlier this year. Um, most of the items within this White Paper will be subject to further consultation, but there are four broad themes within the, the White Paper. Those are set out on paragraph 10. Um, which can be summarised as meeting housing needs, effective strategic planning and making land available for housing, improving the rates and pace of housing delivery, restructuring the housing market to provide increased supply and improving affordability and meeting a wider range of needs. Uh, paragraph 10 goes on to state that strong protection for the Green Belt will be retained and as you know we have done a Green Belt review and uh, decided not to alter our Green Belt or indeed our, our country time protection zone. Um, the other thing that's contained within the paper is the ability for uh, districts to increase their planning fees by 20% as long as from July this year, as long as that money is retained within the planning department. Chairman, I am not an expert on this white paper, but I'm sure if anyone's got any specific questions, then Mr. Glenday will be able to answer them. Well, before, welcome to have questions, but before we do that, Mr. Glenday, do you wish to add anything to that? It, this was long awaited, um, uh, yeah. this white paper, and it seemed a bit of a damp squib in the end. I appreciate it's, um, it's, it's a consultative document, that there's more to come, so uh, we haven't had the full detail yet. <clears throat> Thank you, Chairman. Yeah, I was just going to reiterate that fact, is that th this is a consultation document. We have to submit comments by the 2nd of May. Um, so obviously, if, if people have seen the white paper itself, there are 38 different questions that the government is asking us to answer. So there's a lot of work in there. Um, the chairman mentioned damp squib. I think in the planning community, I think we would probably agree with that. And that's been mentioned at several conferences and seminars that I've been at. And I think CLG acknowledged that there is a little bit more work to be done. Um, obviously, one of the key things that we were, as planning authorities, uh, interested in hearing was the standard, methodolo standard methodology for assessing housing need and we thought there'd be a bit more clarity around that but that hasn't been the case. In conversations recently with CLG they say that that could be coming out in the next six to nine months but given that the white paper was delayed by X number of months um, we, we, we just have to you know, move forward with the information that we've got. Um, again just to stress it, this is a consultation um, we'd be happy to receive any comments from any members of the public or the you know, members themselves and we will feed that back into the response itself. Thank you. I mean it would have been very helpful uh, if they'd given a steer on numbers. I could then have had a conversation with Mr MacDonald and Mr Young that didn't involve housing numbers. <laughs> because, but um, I, I, I fear that if they had, uh, they would, all they'd have done actually is to push them even further. So possibly it's, it's better that they didn't. Um, questions for Mr Glenday or comments? Councillor Redfern and Councillor Dean. 
Sorry. Um, I, I agree with you, Councillor Rolfe. I think this was really disappointing. Um, I don't, you know, we continue to struggle to deliver affordable housing, and I don't think this has done anything to really help us at all. But there is one bit in here that, um, point number four on here, um, and the last sentence, the government is also minded to allow an increase of a further 20% for those authorities who are delivering homes. So we'd be able to increase our planning fees by another 20%. Um, but I don't see any way that they're actually assisting us in delivering homes because we continue to give planning permissions and people still don't build them. So it's a bit... And I also think it's a bit mean to increase our planning fees by 20% and then another 20% because actually, um, you know, if it doesn't, I don't see what that does to help us deliver housing at all. Just a comment. The, the, the question of um, land holding um, has been raised many times with the government. We've raised it ourselves. It is an issue. We give planning permissions uh, and then the houses aren't started and they're fed into the market to retain maximum value. The government is, is, is totally aware of this. Again, we were hoping that, uh, that there would have been something in the housing white paper. I don't know whether you've got a steer on this, uh, Mr Glenday, because um, they did say that they would have a stick and carrot approach to this. <coughs> Thank you, Chair. Yeah, in, in conversations we have had with CLG, they basically do, well, they do acknowledge the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of extant planning permissions throughout the country, and they do see it very much, you use the term again, carrot and stick, they do see a carrot stick approach as being the best approach for both planning authorities and for the developers, and I think this white paper, there is quite a bit more focus on the development industry as well. Um, government is looking at various measures to ensure that when you know, developments have planning permission that they do actually get on and do that. The details of that haven't actually been explained and that's something that obviously through the consultation if we have suggestions that we feel would be appropriate in order you know, to take um, you know, to get development moving we can obviously put that forward in the response that we make. But I, think, I don't think there's a silver bullet for this. No afraid. and clearly what we're not going to get is uh, any further detail from the white paper or the outcome of the consultation before our regulation 18 in July but we might before our regulation 19 at the turn of the year. So um, we're just noting so I won't ask for a vote. Um, Sorry, Councillor Dean, I'm reminded that you wanted to speak. Well, I was going to ask whether the, um, the Housing Board is going to meet to uh, give, perhaps have a brainstorming uh, session on ways forward with this, because, you know, it clearly needs more radical thought than just tinkering around with uh, planning fees and so on. If, we, if we're going to, if this country is going to do something about the... Yes. Broke, broken housing market. Um, Sad, sadly, we're not the government. It'd be nice to be at times, but um, so well, no, uh, but it's, it's not our white paper. But in terms of, uh, but one thing that did uh, make me think, and you just reminded me, is that it, we are collectively going to respond to this. So it is important that it goes through the right channels. I'm not quite sure whether the housing board is the right channel because that's social housing. It's a bit broader than that, but that 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 councillors uh, and that we put it on the website so that uh, residents know what we're saying about this white paper so if we can action that please um, that's an important point so thank you for that yeah yep. create some kind of local debate yeah yeah okay good thank you uh, so we've noted so I'll move on to item 12 um, which um, is uh, 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 an authorisation delegated powers for minor land transactions that's HRA land councillor Redfern 
Thank you, um, Chairman. Um, this is quite straightforward. Um, occasionally we get requests to purchase small pieces of land or um, we have boundary issues that haven't been um, dealt with properly through the right to buy. And any, any of these um, sales uh, come, have to come to full cabinet at the moment and as they're very they're normally quite small amounts um, what we'd like to ask is that this is um, that it's de the powers are delegated to the um, housing portfolio holder um, with the assistant director of housing and environment um, so the recommendation is that the assistant director of housing and environment be given delegated power after consultation with the portfolio holder to authorise the disposal of small parcels of land for amenity use, not exceeding 12 square metres, provided that the land does not have development potential, and B, that the boundary rectification and other rectification needed to correct errors made in the right to buy dispose disposals. So I would um, like to recommend that, please. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Wells, thank you very much indeed. Do I have the speakers? Councillor Lodge? Don't we need a definition of small? Well, it was. It was not exceeding 12 square metres. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Okay. Any other comments? This is a tidying up exercise which makes, uh, which, which makes uh, pragmatic sense, basically. Uh, so if we're all content, uh, we, we had a seconder. So those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Corporate plan, delivery plan. Councillor Rolfe. Right, long time since I've done one of these. <laughs> so, um, for those uh, members of the audience or those listening, we uh, take our corporate plan very seriously. Um, and um, we have four key objectives. So, we have a, a vision which is working together for the well-being of our community and to protect and enhance the unique character of the district and I think uh, you know just to elaborate that it is about the well-being of the community but it's also to recognize that Uttlesford is a very special place it's got more um, listed buildings than anywhere else uh, outside of Westminster in interestingly uh, so it has a unique character which 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 uh, which we have to preserve um, I know different people have different interpretations of how you do that but it's 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 part of our vision so um, then uh, our first beneath the vision is to have um, some core principles and the, and the first is to promote thriving safe and healthy communities and, and we think that is uh, a, a key aspect uh, then going back to that point I've just made protect and enhance heritage and character uh, then the sort of the it's not the flip side but obviously in parallel to that support sustainable business growth because life carries on and underpinning all of that maintain a financially sound and effective council so those are uh, the sort of the headlines and then beneath the, so then you've got to sort of make it work so the document for those of you who don't have it in front of you um, then spells that out so describes the program or the project or the activity um, the, the, the outcome that we want to achieve the activities that we're going to undertake this year um, how we're going to measure that in terms of output the resources required and pretty key uh, those responsible to deliver that and uh, added to your pile of papers this evening uh, was um, 
Only I have this apparently <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it, under the officer, it's, 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 it is an important detail, but it doesn't obviously change the substance. Um, under officer responsible, I've added the cabinet member responsible. So um, as well as holding the officer feet to the fire, we're going to hold the uh, cabinet member feet to the fire. So. Um, uh, I, I could read them out. I'm not sure there's any point in doing that uh, tonight. So uh, very happy to take detailed points on that because there might be some individual points around it. Councillor Dean's hand first, then Councillor Howell. I'd like to pick up one item which I think probably is appropriate to Councillor Barker's feet. Um, it's, um, it's under encouraging production neighbourhood plans, but maybe somebody else wishes to put his or her feet forward. The, um, that is Councillor Barker's. It is, right. So it's on well, actually, we called it the Cabinet Member for Environmental Services, because obviously it ah, goes in perpetuity. Anonymous, right. You've well, no, it's not anonymous, <laughs> but it's the Cabinet Member as opposed to the name. No, no, yeah. no. Fair enough. Um, anyway, the, the item is encouraging production of local plans, and, and this item came up both at the scrutiny meeting that I referred to earlier and, and also at the budget meeting at the end of February, and, and I notice that under activities for 2017-18, uh, there's been there are additional words compared with February to establish a neighbourhood plan network, um, and that, and that's good. Um, in the resources column, it refers now, and it did before, to the planning policy manager and local plan team. Um, there was discussion about the criticism, certainly from some neighbourhood plan groups, of the difficulty of getting information out of the planning department to help them to do their work. And I thought that consideration was being given to how that can be improved, but there's no mention here of that. So it's really a question as to whether that thought that I know I had a conversation with the Chief Executive about after the budget meeting is still being yeah, considered. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'll ask Mr Glenday to comment because I think you raised the point, your group raised in terms of um, uh, asking for more days from Rachel to support that. I don't know, is there anybody in the audience from the Stansted Neighbourhood Plan? Are you on that, Mike? No. No. Um, so I just Apart from me. Apart from you, so, um, it, but you, you know, we, we know that it worked quite well in Dumbo. We hope it's working elsewhere as well. So I don't know if you want to comment on that in terms of the, the resource and the support. Um, thank you, Chair. Uh, I, I'm not aware of us ha not having given support to that. I mean, one of the key things, as, you, as you've said, Councillor Dean, is the establishment of the Neighbourhood Plan Network. We did have a, a session with a sort of seminar with the Neighbourhood Planning uh, Parish Councils and Bodies last September. And we got very good feedback from that. That was the, whole, the idea of that was an inform, information sharing um, session, and we agreed to have that every six months. But as we say, things like the rural community council for Essex, and we have a separate consultant who also gives additional um, support for neighbourhood planning. Um, so I think the, the resource is there. Um, obviously, we have um, background evidence information which is on our, our on our planning website. But if there is an issue, I would certainly encourage um, anyone who's currently in the preparation of a, a neighbourhood plan to contact me directly, and uh, we will do everything that we can. Thank you. Any other? Councillor Dean? Yes, I have a couple more points. They're on page 192 on my iPad screen. The, um, 
the, the item under I th the, whole, the overall heading is protect and enhance and heritage and character. Okay. And there's, there's an item, uh, what's it called, an activity title called Promoting Pride in Uttlesford. Um, and then it says improved, the, an outcome is improved public realm. Um, I mean, the two things that occur to me, what, one is why, why is it just the public realm? I know we've got direct responsibility uh, for what one would call the public realm, but it seems to me that you know, often a lot of our eyesores are in the private realm, and if we were to set an example and then work with the private realm, we might improve the appearance of, of the district as a whole in, 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 in a sort of partnership arrangement. Um, so I, I mentioned that one. Um, because I mean, I think this covers things like fly tipping yeah. And, yeah. And, and litter, does it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I might, whilst you're here, just throw into the discussion the fact that I struggle month after month after month to get the the gutters in Chapel Hill outside here in Stansted cleared of, cleared of leaves that are, are producing wonderful leaf moulds, but uh, they ought, it ought not to be there. But I won't pursue that any further now, but just mention it. The, the, the other thing I'd like to mention is under um, working with others, this is the next item actually, working with others to increase access to the heritage and the history of the district. Now it's, I, I seem to remember the original version seemed to focus attention on Saffron Walden on this one, and I see that that's now been more, made more general, so that that I'm sure will um, please Councillor Graham Barker, who brought it up at, um, at scrutiny. Um, and I think, you know, I think we, I think the important thing is that if we're going to put this in our corporate plan, we, we need to take actual action to go out and to talk to people to make sure that they get engaged and therefore something comes out of it rather than waiting for people to discover that we're interested and, and to come to us. So I just throw that one out. And I think that, and, you know, one more if I may, um, encouraging more people to visit Uttlesford, that as is under support sustainable business growth. Um, the output here says promotion events in Dunmo and Stansted. I'm not quite sure on this occasion why Saffron Walden's left out. Um, so, I, so, I, so I'm not I'm not clear what's in mind there. It talks about increasing visitor numbers to key attractions. I know we've got one here just down the road. Um, so it, it, I think it's the same thing. If, we, if something's going to happen, we've actually got to go out and, uh, and, and engage with communities for, for, for there to be real outcomes rather than ticking the box that we had it in the local plan and, sorry, in, in the corporate plan and nothing happened because no, we sure. didn't hear. So, so the first point to make is that consultation on this will be included in the next Uttlesford Life. So it does need to be a partnership with the community because clearly it's not right actually that uh, um, the council does this. This, this is a collective uh, plan. Yeah. Um, so just taking your points, I, I think... I think the meaning of public realm certainly covers things like fly tipping and all the rest of it. Uh, some of the private problems, uh, private land problems, have ended up in, in enforcement actions. We're very conscious of those. So I take, I, I take your point. Um, then it, it, the, uh, your, your point about um, 
increasing access to the heritage, that, that is, well, it's a two-way process, but it is about recognising the heritage that we've got. And, and um, you know, the 100 Parishes does a great job in terms of uh, the website that it has uh, it, 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 attracting people to that. So there will be other opportunities where we can encourage that work with that. Um, and obviously under uh, business growth, um, then, you know, it's, it's in everybody's interest uh, to, well, maybe not everybody's interest, but a lot of people's interest to encourage more people to uh, Uttlesford uh, because, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of businesses that uh, depend on visitors and we've got a lot to offer. So, um, yeah, so we, we take all your points, and I, but I think the point by putting it through Uttlesford life, and this really comes back to one of the themes in terms of how does the council connect with the community to make the whole um, exercise iterative uh, and if you like the sum of the parts are greater than the bits that fit into it so it's a conundrum that we're all facing and um, uh, and, and we'll keep working on that but, you, but you're right this is this is a, this is a team effort uh, and, and we can advertise and we can promote and we've got some vehicles to do that promotion but it's it's not exclusively going to be done by the council yeah thanks for that positive approach councillor Howell thank you leader um, I'm shortly taking a sabbatical from the world of work and I'm very much looking forward to it I lose touch of the number of times I've seen corporate plans and I'm generally quite cynical about these things because I I feel that generally people's ambitions are much much greater than their ability to deliver and and for once we have a corporate plan that I feel is grounded on pragmatic objectives that we can to, we can specifically uh, seek to achieve um, I'm reminded of smart objectives. I can't actually remember what that stands for. I think it's specific, measurable, achievable. can't remember what R is and time relevant. But whatever Realistic. it is. Sorry? Realistic. Realistic. I remember it being drummed into me years and years ago, and I constantly ignored it. Um, <laughs> but, but I think the key to an effective corporate plan is to have smart objectives. Mm. And I think that does this. It's got a name against somebody. It's got a specific resource and output. And I'm very conscious that we have a tendency at this organization, within this organization to think that we can solve the whole problems of the world. And actually, we can't. We can only work with other parties to, and, and working with them, try and solve some of the, the problems that we face. So I, I'm keen that we avoid overly ambitious objectives. And I think this is a good starting point, And it's a corporate plan that, that, that I'm happy for once in my life to endorse. Well, thank you very much. So the recommendation... Oh, Councillor Redfern. Sorry, can I, can I just ask that we change one thing, and that is um, the bit where it does say um, in encouraging more people to visit Uttlesford in the output measures column, can we put promotion events across Uttlesford, not just in Dunmo and Stansted, please? Yep, OK. can certainly do that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll keep moving this on, and, it, as, uh, and, and, and the version will have the cabinet member as well. So uh, the uh, recommendation is to approve the corporate plan, delivery plan, as attached. Those in, uh, do I have a seconder? I propose it, Councillor Howell. Thank you. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Any item 14 is any other items which the chairman considers to be urgent. Um, I don't have any, um, and. Um, 
consideration item 15 of an item containing exempt information within the meaning of paragraph 3 of schedule 12a of the local government act which basically takes this cabinet into part 2 uh, those in favour of moving to that thank you very much indeed uh, sorry that we are excluding you but it, this is commercially sensitive it's not a secret uh, and you will duly find out about it so thanks <laughs>